Welcome. I am your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over UFC Vegas 43, headlined by Misha Tate and Ketlin Vieira in a pivotal bantamweight scrap that should at least give us an idea of where Misha Tate sits now after her comeback win last time when she was able to go out there and finish Maureen Renault in round three. Ketlin Vieira, on the other hand, on a little bit of a skid, but really looking forward to seeing what she brings to the table in her first five-round main event slot. Uh, you guys know me. I like to bring the big guns when I can, and you guys were clamoring to get my guy back here. So without further ado, I might as well just introduce my guest, the guy you guys are all here to see pretty much, my guy, Mr. Santino DeFranco of Siege MMA and Fight Ready. How's it going, Santino? It's going well. It's going well. How are you doing? I'm good, brother. Uh, I, I know we've been DMing back and forth every now and then ever since the first time he came on the show, but people have been hitting me up almost every week, like, get Santino back on, get Santino back on. I'm like, if I could have him on every week, I would, but I got to respect the guy's <laughs> time. I know he has two gyms and two guys that he's looking after and and a podcast of his own and all his family as well. And not to mention the big elephant in the room. We might as well get it out of the way right off the bat. The gas station and the fried chicken. Oh, how's that going, okay. brother? Gas station. I, I didn't know which elephant we were talking about. There's like seven oh, there's elephants. A couple. In this there's room. a couple, but that there's was a couple. The first I didn't know which one you're going to throw in. Yeah, man, I got a gas station with some fried chicken. Uh, and, that, and that is finally going. You know, the gas station is going well. The um, fried chicken, you know, I don't know. It, I, I call it a restaurant. My wife looks at me and she's like, that's not a restaurant. Like, let me tell you, it's not. So I, I have a fast food joint. Or fast food eatery is what I'll call it. Uh, out <laughs> that of my specializes gas in fried chicken. Yes, in fried chicken. Now let me. The fried chicken is pretty good. It's it's really good. It, it looks. It good. actually is really good. It's actually really good. Uh, I'm not just saying that. Uh, I, I would say it if it was horrible because it was mine and I'm selling it. But I'm not saying it. it just happens to be really good. But I would absolutely lie to you. Oh, dude, as soon as I make my trip down to Arizona, there's a couple places I'm heading up, and that's definitely number one on the list. I need some fried chicken in my belly as soon as I get down to AZ, and I know you're obviously hooking up some good fried chicken down there. Uh, the second elephant in the room. There's three elephants in the room. There's there's two, a lot of elephants more. in the room. There's two more that we want to get through before we get into the breakdowns here, and I'm sure that all, a lot of the people are very much looking forward to hearing about it. Secondly, I would love to hear your opinion on Zhang's fight with Rose in regards to the decision itself. If you remember it off the top of your head, personally, I scored rounds one, two, and three for Zhang. I thought she deserved the win at the end of the day, but at the end of the fight, like rounds four and five, didn't look the greatest in terms of you know having an inability to get back to her feet after getting taken down from Rose, which I found surprising because if anything, I thought it would have been the other way around. I thought we would have saw Zhang go out there and attack, attack some takedowns and kind of grind uh, Rose uh, on the ground later in the fight, but it was a complete opposite. Well, how'd you score the fight and ultimately what were your thoughts for that performance before we talk about Wei Li, and i am only saying this because i butcher everyone's name on the planet everybody's <laughs> i can't say a name i can barely say my own name correctly <laughs> and i said Wei Li zhang or zhang welly yep they pronounce it jung 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 Wei Li. there's a good little lesson right there for us yeah, Zhang. I wouldn't have known that and unless I was corrected 500 times. But anyway, yeah, so Zhang Wei Li. Uh, anyway, I thought she round she won rounds one, two, and three. Yeah. Um, that said, the I, I think it was round two, I forget, was really close. Um, I, I forget if it was two or three. Honestly, actually, even one was kind of close, too. One and two. At, no, one one she definitely won. I think it was maybe round two that was actually the, the toss-up. Um, but I thought she won three rounds. 
I thought going into round, I mean, Rose won round four, Rose won round five. Uh, but I thought, she, yeah, but I thought she won three to three to two. Uh, I thought it was really surprising that one of the judges had four to one. Yes. When I heard four to one, I heard 49, 46. I thought, oh, this is Wei Lee's. That's, that's a wrap here. And then they said Rose. And I was like, whoa, that really surprised me. Um, but man, judges are weird. And you just don't know. We've, I, I actually talked with Brandon about this on my podcast recently. One And he thinks the next big thing on fight predictions and betting is who the judges are. Because you really don't know how certain – you and I could be looking at a fight, watching the same fight right next to each other and see it differently. Mm -hmm. and, and that really matters. And the other side of that too is you see a lot of judges have it like 29, 28 for one fighter. And then a third judge have it like 30, 27 for the other fighter. Yes. And a lot of that has to do with vantage point. Like I, I've been in the corner numerous times and I'm watching a fight and I, I think, whoa, some, he, he just got hit hard or, you know, the crowd goes crazy and I'm seeing it. I'm like, whoa, that didn't even land. Yeah. The vantage point of where the judges are actually sitting based on the action really does play into that. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. In a really, it, that said, round one, two, and three were really close. I, I don't think that you could say it was a robbery. I thought uh, Wei Li won. I think a lot of people thought Wei Li won. Uh, but you, in those little scenarios where, you know, the tiniest thing, you know, could be the difference of winning and losing a round, you got to take into consideration the judges, where they're at, what they're scoring for. And I don't even think round one, two, and three was a, did Whaley do well? Did Rose do well? I think it's what are the judges looking for? Yeah. My 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 thing is I think in one of those first three rounds, there was there was a slip near the end from Whaley where it looked like Rose possibly clipped her with something. And then it was an actual slip from Whaley. And again, like you said, mm -hmm. the judges see Rose throwing a punch and they see Whaley fall down and they probably assume, oh, she probably hit her or rocked her and dropped her. Maybe she deserves that round. So small little things yeah. like that can really determine the fight for sure. Personally, I think they should just put the judges in the back, put them in a soundproof room, no audio, nothing. Watch the fight on a camera, like like just how like we're watching it at home because that's the best vantage point at the end of the day. You're getting a shot right into the octagon and they change the you know camera angle based on where they are in the octagon compared to sitting cage side, like you're saying. And you know maybe there might be a post in the maybe. Maybe the referees in the way. Maybe, you know, there's so many different things that can come into play. Like a cage side seat is great and all, but to judge a fight and see every little thing, it's still hard from cage side. I think the best thing for them to do is just watch it on a monitor in the back where no, they have no influence whatsoever, even from the crowd, right? Like any little thing from the crowd can sway them as well. But what are your thoughts on that? Or do you have kind of something in your brain that you have a solution in terms of judging? Yeah, I, I don't like that idea because just seeing stuff live, hearing it, you know, hearing the way that punches hit live is different than hearing it on television, especially, with you know, if it's muted with the, the noise of the crowd. I really like to be there cage side to see it. And I've watched fights afterwards, like literally right after fights occur on my phone and they different camera angles, different the crowd noise, different things, hearing the commentators punches look either harder or weaker or they something didn't even land or it looks like it landed and it didn't um being there live i i, I think is the best scenario but i think they're i, th I think a way to handle that is one better judging i, I think these yeah. judges need to be i mean you get judges are not always competent it's somebody's cousin there's a lot of nepotism yes. 
going on in, in, you know, these, these boxing commissions that somebody's cousin who got it appointed and, and that's that look at Adelaide bird. I mean, she's, she may be blind. She doesn't even know. She's like, she's looking at the fight in the crowd and then judging the fight in, in a cage or a ring. Yeah. So I think a lot of them just are inept, but then I think having five judges as opposed to three judges, uh, now all of a sudden you have more people, the, the more people, the more general consensus you're going to get at something. And, and then you just have more vantage points as well. I do agree with you. I, I was at that Apex event where you guys had Marco Madsen go up against Clay Guida and just hearing the thud and the kicks. Like I've been to plenty of live MMA events, but being that close in the Apex with not as many people around and hearing like the impact of some of these shots, I think it was uh, William Knight. One of the kicks that he landed on Fabio Sharon were just one of the loudest things I've ever heard in, inside of an MMA arena. So yeah, I, I believe that there is absolutely something to, to your argument in terms of being cage side and, and kind of judging the impact and damage of a strike because you're that close to it um all right let's skip on over to one last storyline then we'll get into the breakdowns here the obvious elephant in the room sense you know what, what what was mr bones jones doing over there at fight ready how did that whole experience go and what what can we expect from that in the future is there something who i've never there never heard of him <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't make me pull up your IG, Mr. Santino. <laughs> um, you know, that that was kind of surreal. I, I was in there working with one of the other fighters and, you know, Henry came up to me and asked me and he said, hey, will you work with John? And, you, you know, with maybe five, 10 minutes notice, I was like, ah, what do you what do you want me to work on? And he was like, oh, whatever, just whatever you want to work on. And I was thinking, like, what do you what do I show the greatest fighter who's ever lived <laughs> in, in on a five minute whim? Like, how does that work? You know, and, yeah. and so. So it was fun. It was fun to work with him. Um, you know, Eddie Chow was working some striking with him. Henry was working some wrestling. I was working some cage wrestling, some ground and pound control stuff with him. Um, and he, he was really nice. He was really fun to, to be around, uh, really charismatic, just lit up the room. Everybody loved him. And, uh, you, you know, it was, it was, I try not to get too starstruck with anything. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, like, to put together but afterwards you know leaving there i called a buddy of mine i was like dude i just worked with john jones like that's that's kind of that was pretty fun so that was a really fun thing you know i don't want to be too starstruck but that was, that was actually pretty surreal um forget about all of the legal issues all the separate stuff of all, all of that stuff notwithstanding working with a guy who i think is the greatest mma fighter we've ever seen um you know that's like a uh d2 quarter you know, d2 college coach and tom brady comes in and is like hey uh you know can i uh jump into practice with you yeah. of course you can tom of course you can <laughs> for sure you want to be around greatness to to a certain extent as well uh is there anything you can share in regards to the future of that like is this something that he was just trying out is he going to come back or was this more so like a one and done kind of thing because i saw henry segudo and his family whining and dining him on the ig i'm not sure if he's trying to recruit him like he did davidson and and wiley as well can you share anything in regards to the future of that relationship I don't really know. You know, honestly, I really don't know what the relationship is. I, I think okay. he came out here, uh, you know, Henry brought him out. Um, you know, he's no longer with Jackson, Winkle yeah. John. So he came out here, trained with us for a few days. I'm, I'm not exactly certain what his uh, what his future holds or what's going on. But, you know, if he comes out and trains with, with us, I think that'd be awesome. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, but But I honestly don't know. Perfect, perfect. Uh, I do want to take this last question here from my guy, George Medixopoulos. 
in your opinion, what makes John Jones such a great fighter? What's the expe- special ingredient? Is it the talent? Is the mentality? What do you kind of point it to in terms of, you know, you've, you've seen his entire run from his UFC debut all the way to him winning the championship and all the craziness that he's been through. What, in your opinion, makes him the greatest fighter? Or one of I mean, you know, I, I think it comes down to his ability to, there's two things. He knows how to win. That is a talent that you cannot teach people people have it or they don't. And it doesn't matter how good they are. It doesn't matter how good they are in the training room. When the lights are on and the pressure is on, he knows how to win. He knows how to win the fights when, when, even if he's losing, even if he's down, um, that's it. And and there's nothing quantifiable about that. You just, he just knows how to do it. And, And then the other part is he's cold as ice. He is when it comes time to fighting, I, I always say this about everyone. We don't know who the best fighter is. We don't know who the best basketball player of all time is. We don't know who the best football player is. The best basketball player is playing on a court somewhere that we've never heard of who who would murder every pro baller out there. But when the bright lights hit, he freezes up and can't do it. And, and so we don't even know. I mean, I see so many guys in the gym who would beat up every champion on the roster? Uh, and I'm not even kidding. I'm not even remotely kidding. I think I think the two names that I always hear in these folklore stories is Nate Marquardt and Mike Pyle. Like those guys were like the killers in the gym. But when it came mm-hmm. to, came time to shine, it it never really came together for them. Exactly, guys like that who are just that good. But that doesn't matter. I mean, if you look at a lot of the guys that I've seen do well in the cage, they're horrible in the in the gym, not horrible, but in relation to the other guys, the other 10 UFC guys in the gym at that time, they're number 10 on the roster. And then they go in and they win championships. It's not about who's better. It's who's better when the lights are on and the pressure is on. And, and that's what makes John great. You know, he, he can do it. He's cold as ice. He's, he's composed. And then he, he just has the balls to do it. He's, you know, his first fight in the UFC, he's thrown spinning back fists and lateral <laughs> dropping people and just just doesn't care. It's it's just not being afraid to do the things that you want to do and then being calm enough to recognize when you should and shouldn't do things. Uh, people want to talk I'll... about go ahead. You no, know, it's gonna say people want to talk about technique and cardio and all of this stuff, and those things all matter after just mental preparedness. Yeah, I'll always have this special connection to Jones because uh, he would always fight in the Toronto area because it was always illegal in New York at that time, right? Like he fought uh, mm-hmm. uh, Leota Machida up here. He fought Vitor Belfort up here. Uh, he had uh, that magnificent fight with Alexander Gustafson up here. Like I was just, I went to every single event. I worked the backstage a couple of them as well. And just seeing him prepare himself to go out there and, you know, psych himself to get ready to get to the cage. It was just nothing like that. Like the the, the performance he put against Machida and dropping him like like a sack of potatoes like that was probably one of the greatest performances i've ever seen uh and, and yeah it'll be hard to recapture that but i'm very much looking forward to like i'm not putting any words in your mouth but i'm hoping that he does end up deciding coming to to work with you guys and seeing what you guys are able to take with his talent and kind of translate it into this 2021 version not to mention going up a heavyweight now right this is going to be a completely different version of john that, that we're going to see um yeah, let, let's not let, let's keep the train moving along, though. We are already 15 minutes into this, and I do want to kind of respect your time in, in terms of not letting this go on too much longer. Is there any last words you want to say on John or or do you want to move on? From this? No, but I do have to say that just, so you know, right now I'm drinking a beer and I'm a couple <laughs> beers because <laughs> when you said, hey, come on, 9 p.m. Eastern time, 
Well, I was fine with that. In my head, that was 6 p.m. my time because I'm three hours behind you. Correct. And then I'll be done at 7. You know, we figure what hour-ish or so, you know, and, and, you know, whatever, give or take a little bit. And then I'll go eat, hang out with the family, all that stuff. Well, Arizona, we're weird. And it's not 6 p.m. now. It's 7 p.m. So we're Ooh. half the uh, year on Pacific time, the other half on Colorado, like mountain time. So right now we're on mountain time. So when I realized this, I was like, oh, man that's going to mess up my night. So we went to eat early. So we had a couple of drinks at dinner. Now I'm drinking a beer. So if I sound moronic, that's, that's on you. That's on you and the my time fault. change. Yeah. There that's on you and the Arizona time change. Got it. Got it. Everybody, the 71 live viewers that we currently have, it is noted in case Santino says anything stupid moving <laughs> forward now. All right, let's get into what the people are really here for. And that's breaking down the upcoming fights for tomorrow night. I'm sure they're very much interested in hearing your thoughts and myself as well. I do this thing where I don't listen to anybody's breakdowns, especially if I'm going to be talking to them this week, because I kind of want to be, you know, not caught off guard, but I just don't want to know what you're going to say. I'm really looking yeah. forward to hearing what your thoughts are as well. All right. So first and foremost, kicking off the night, we have 115 pound belt in the women's uh strawweight division uh we got sam hughes going up against luana pinedo in terms of odds we're looking at minus 385 for pinedo and plus 345 on sam page uh sam hughes now i've already taken a half unit shot here on sam hughes i think the line is absolutely ridiculous here at plus 350 luana pinedo uh going out there and just dusting girls in the first round but when she does get pushed a little bit seems like she starts to wilt a little bit seems like she has a little bit of cardio issues and you can even see it in her body language right before she got up kicked by uh Randa marcos in her ufc debut i really felt like the tide was turning in that fight and I'm sure some people in the comment section right now are going to light me up for this, but like, what were you watching? She was getting wrecked for like four minutes. You got to watch the fight, watch the fight, watch her body language. You see it kind of slowly starting to dwindle, especially with how much Ronda Marcos was really making her work in that fight. And I think that's the important key here is Sam Hughes needs to make her work, needs to make her gas. And I think that can happen within the, within about six or seven minutes of this fight. I think, by the time the second round starts, and if Sam Hughes makes it to the second round, one, she'd be a really good uh, live bet going into round two because she's going to be at much better odds than the odds currently are at. And secondly, if Pinero is going to have massive success, it's going to come in that first round. Either she finishes her in the first round or she gets tired trying to finish her. And then in the second and third round, she's going to be pretty much useless in my opinion. So rather than paying that minus 400 on Pinero, you're better off taking that under two and a half or taking uh, her to win inside the distance. Uh, like I said, rather than paying that minus 400. But I am taking a half unit shot here on Sam Hughes plus 350. Uh, I do also have a sprinkle on her round three pop prop at plus 3000 in case uh, Pinero does death gap here and we do get sam hughes kind of turn it up a notch and, and get her out of there with a standing tk or whatever it might be sam I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of sam hughes a lot of people are really low on her just because of the you know how she's been losing her last couple of fights but i do think that she has some potential she's still young in her professional mma career and a lot of people are high on loma look with me she was able to take a solid round off of her in that fight too so uh i like sam hughes here thinks she get, thinks she gets it done in round three call me crazy but i like the big underdog in the spot how do you feel about this matchup brother I don't think you're crazy. I, I think the craziest thing I heard you say in any of that was that you think uh, Loma um, is yep. better than she. Yeah, I am not big on her. I, I actually think she's super overrated. Um, watching well, we're going to be talking about her very shortly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I'm i not necessarily big, huge on Loopy either, who she's fighting later. But, man, I, I'm not really big on Loma. That said, um, I am not – I'm not – down on Sam Hughes. I'm just not 
big on her. She doesn't impress me. There's nothing that strikes me with her as impressive. Uh, I, I think the odds are, I think you're right with uh, the cardio issues, but I don't know that. See, I always think that there's, there's a random algorithm and we don't know that there's a, a ratio of technique to cardio that a fighter needs to have going into round two. And if you're way more technical, then you can have a little bit less cardio you know, uh, versus your opponent. If you're, if you're not quite as technical in relation to your opponent, you have to have better cardio. I, I, I think Luana is, gosh, I don't even know how to say her name. Luana, um, Pinheiro, Pinheiro. Pinheiro. I told you I can't say anything. I think Luana, <laughs> I got you. she has some good, clean strikes standing big, long one twos. She knows how to use her range. She's got that judo that she's going to use. The judo sometimes works against her because it's a little bit more dynamic and, and, and is wasting a little bit more energy. Um, I, I think Luana wins it. I don't know, but I think you're right with with the in-round betting. That is where you'll make your money. Is I, I think Luana wins this. I think she's better than Sam Hughes. I, I, I don't even – I think it's almost – I can't even believe we're talking about it except for the fact that she does have cardio issues. And so yeah. now all of a sudden we're talking about it. So we have to. Um, and if that weren't the case, we wouldn't be talking about this, but she does gas. She goes all or nothing in that first round. And, and how bad is she going to be going in around two, going in around three? I don't know. I, I think she's going to be high enough on the scorecards that even if she gasses, she's not going to get finished in round three. I think she either finishes her in the first round or she ekes out a three round decision, losing the third round, no matter what, and probably losing the last minute to two minutes in round Two, just depending on, but I, I think Luana's going to be big enough, uh, you know, her head enough that she's not, uh, that she ends up winning that fight. There's a possibility that she could get a 10 8 in that first round as well. So, if anything, we could be looking at a draw come the decision if uh, uh, Hughes is able to go out there and win that second round. I do want to ask you in regards to this one of her favorite moves seems to be that head and arm throw. And mm -hmm. I've seen in a couple fights where she's given up her back just because she doesn't control it well enough. What are your thoughts on the head and arm throw in MMA? And, you know, like it seems like a low level takedown in a sense. So, what this are your is going to sound horrible. And I am probably going to get canceled for saying this. <laughs> Let's go. I am not even kidding. That is a move that works in women's MMA. I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Men don't do that. Men will get nope. killed doing that. Um, but there's, there's such a discrepancy in physicality and there's such a discrepancy in skill level when it comes to wrestling and judo and MMA. If people, if, if somebody's, if there's a woman who's a really, really, really good wrestler or a really good judo player, They'll hit that and they're going to land it. Um, but, but men, we're so used to seeing that because so many more men have a wrestling background than women do. So we're just used to seeing that more than the women are used to seeing it at that level. Um, I, I think it's effective as a takedown, but I think it is horrible in terms of once you hit the mat in that scramble position. And, and I think you're right. I think she hits that head and arm. And she gives up her back. I think she's going to scramble enough. And she's just physical. Her physicality yeah. is is just much more prominent than Sam Hughes. And I think that's going to come out. Um, but, I, I mean, you know, round two comes along. Some of those prop bets are looking pretty good, depending on how, how gas Luana looks. 
Absolutely. So we have a little bit of disagreement here. I'm going to be on the Hughes side. Santiago is going with uh, Pinheiro, but that's what I like about this show. I, I want disagreements. I want people to hear both sides of the coin here, and I think we made a pretty good a damn case for it. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got uh, Sean Soriano making his second trip to the cage since returning to the to the Octagon. He's going up against Shailan Nerdium Becca. I'm trying to nail that name, but it's still killing me. Nerdium Bika. Uh, in terms of odds, we got heavy chalk here on Sean Soriano. Minus 250 now. Uh, plus 210 is a return on Sha Yilan. Uh, what can you tell me about these guys? Are you, I'm sure you got to be familiar with Soriano. How do you feel about okay. these guys? Yeah, so I, I've got to throw another disclaimer. I have a lot of disclaimers. So <laughs> the it, it's going to be hard. For, I, I have not watched film on Sean's opponent, and I don't need okay. to. I don't need to until the Chinese prove me wrong because they all <laughs> lose. I'm not kidding. I mean, Weili Zhang Jung was the the you know really exception to that rule. The the fighters fighting out of the the Shanghai PI, they they all lose. Um, and, and the UFC is trying to build them. They're trying to give them the right matchups until they start to win. I don't need to watch tape on them and, and break them down because there's an until they start winning. There's a ninety. 95% chance they lose. And we don't really have to, to look too far. Um, I actually got sent a link to apply to a, as an MMA coach at the Shanghai PI recently. They're, they're trying to get more MMA coaches, more coaches in general, more foreign coaches going in to, to work with them. They're really trying to build that. Um, I, I didn't even, I'm not going anywhere you're not I'm going staying to in arizona i'm selling chicken i'm not going to shanghai <laughs> my kids aren't going to shanghai my wife is like not eating chinese food every day yeah. um sean soriano wins this his striking is clean he has been yeah. with henry hooft for a long time he's one of henry hooft's mainstays he was a black zillion before he was Hard with yeah he, he was there all the time so he is not some guy that just went down there to do camp his wrestling is getting better and better and better. You have Greg Jones down there running stuff. He was a three or four time national. I think he was a three time national champ out of West Virginia. Greg Jones is phenomenal. And again, he's not just a guy who is running camp down there. Yeah, he lost to Christos Chiagos. Chiagos is very underrated as well. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Christos is really, really good. He has cardio issues. So he is really solid for eight minutes and then he just tanks hard. So yeah, he got Sean. Uh, but Sean does a really good job. He doesn't play on the ground. He's not going armbar triangle. Second, he gets taken down. He's scooting the cage and getting back up. Back up. His stand-up is clean. A until somebody out of the Chinese PI gives me a reason to, to think anything other than, um, you know, a loss is going to go on their record, man, I I I'm not doing it. Sean Suriano wins. E easy victory across the board. I'm right there with you. I'm on the Soriano side here. I'm actually going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm actually going to be taking a shot on him to win by KO as well, around plus 200. Uh, Shailan, mainly a grappler, wants to take this fight to the ground. His striking mainly consists of big one-and-done shots to kind of close the distance and, you know, try to intimidate his opponents with his power. But the main reason he tries to throw those strikes is to close the distance and drag the fight to the ground. I think he's going to struggle here, you know, closing the distance so recklessly against a guy like Soriano, who's going to be able to kind of pinpoint touch him with those shots, maybe counter him perfectly and put him down and out and have him staring up at the lights here. I love me some story on in this spot not on the money line though minus 275 a little bit too wide for me personally but i would rather take that prop here at plus 200 on his ko line uh because i do think he'll get it done pretty early in this fight round one ko is what i'm calling here for soriano shailan not ufc level in my opinion yeah i i think you're right on that 
All right, let's move on to the next one where we have another Chinese prospect. We got Arichi Lang going up against Cody Durden in terms of odds. We're currently looking at minus 150 for Cody Durden and plus 130 the return on the Mongolian murderer Arichi Lang. Now, in terms of the stylistic matchup, pretty binary to break this fight down. Durden uh, has high school wrestling uh, background, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. We obviously know it, it's like uh, I believe there's a who's a Jose Alberto Quinones who has jujitsu tattooed across his chest. We got Cody Durden with that wrestling logo on the back of his uh, on the back of his shoulder blade. So you pretty much know what his game plan is going to be. Let's go out there, take these guys to the ground, and try to smash the face of the canvas. And he's been successful in doing that in the regional scene. Uh, a ton of first and second round finishes uh, centered around his grappling. He had a great first round against Chris Gutierrez, getting a 10 8, just controlling him, and then dropped the next two rounds. Ended up getting a draw there in his debut, and then his next fight uh he gets submitted by jimmy flake who was very slick with that submission uh, uh it was a beautiful head kick that he got right over the shoulder of uh, uh of durden and then jumped into a flying triangle and ended up submitting him there so beautiful for win from there Richie lang great strike well solid strike i should say uh but he had that crazy war with jeff molina back at ufc 263 i believe it was back and forth war uh and we obviously saw jeff molina get his hand raised there uh the only thing i can't shake about Richie lang is the amount of times he was getting taken down on the regional scene against much lower level of competition not to mention he did go up against kai car france on the chinese regional scene and you me and you both know kai car france he's a striker he turned into a yeah. grappler in that fight and managed to grapple his way to a decision victory that night. So uh, I'm expecting the same thing here from Durden. I think he gets the takedowns. Uh, and I think he actually gets him out of there via TKO probably in the second round with some ground and pound. I think his wrestling is just going to be too much for uh, Arichi Lang to to deal with. I, for as much as I want a guy nicknamed the Mongolian murderer to go out there and get a great winning streak by just decapitating dudes, I just don't think he's going to be able to cut it inside the UFC, to be honest. So I got Durden, Durden by a second-round TKO. What are your thoughts on this fight, brother? I couldn't – the only thing I wonder about is I really like the the second-round TKO call. I just – honestly, if we, let's get super picky here. I wonder if he just beats him up and chokes him out, or does he beat him up and get the TKO? Uh, honestly, that's the only discrepancy that I see at all. And not even discrepancy. I just don't know which one does he decide to do. Um, I, I think you're right. I, I was really impressed with Durden on short notice taking on Gutierrez uh, and just took him down again and again and again. And Gutierrez is solid. He's a vet. He's been there a while. Um, really clean Up weight class too. Up a weight was class. That, was that up a weight class? I'm pretty certain that was up a weight class as well for Durden. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I, I think Quilong is, uh, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know that he's a, he's a tough striker. He's not an overly clean striker. He's not a phenomenal striker. He's a tough striker who will throw if you throw with him. Durden's not going to throw with him. So I I, I don't think it's going to matter. Honestly, I I don't know if it's going to be more than a takedown around. He's going to get the takedown early in round one. And the only way there's two takedowns coming up is if the bell rings and he, they start standing around two. Um, uh, Again, I, I think the Chinese are, it's really funny because the Chinese have a really good wrestling, you know, Olympic wrestling team. I mean, they have the Olympic wrestling team. They have good kickboxing there. They have good Sanda. They just don't have the MMA yet. It, it, it'd be like Thailand coming into MMA with a bunch of Thai fighters. I mean, yeah, they have the Muay Thai, but they haven't adapted it yet to MMA. And I think that's China right now is, is I think they want, they want to get people involved in MMA and the UFC wants people involved in MMA because they've got, 1.3 billion people there just the level of talent isn't there yet and they're trying to find these guys who match up well with them and on paper a guy like Durden who's who's not at the top of the division 
it, it's somebody that they're hoping, but man, if this is the best matchup they can find for them, it's, it's, it's looking pretty rough. So I think Durden wins it round, maybe the late round one, late round one, early round two. Um, I, I don't think that's going to be an overly competitive fight. The, the one thing that does kind of give me some hesitation, again, this is more of a Hail Mary shot on the Richie Lang side. Uh, he has a couple of highlight reel finishes via flying knee. Like, he sets it up very well, especially against guys who are looking to take him down. But I feel as though Durden, you know, he should be ready for that. He should know which side to be shooting on and all that type of stuff. So hopefully he keeps yeah. himself out of that. Uh, no, I agree. In terms of Chinese prospects, before we move on to the next next uh, fight, you guys had one of your own, but I believe he's yeah. probably one of the better ones. Holly Alateng, you know, he lost that point in that fight, probably was going to go on to win that fight, regardless by decision. But I think he's one of the brighter prospects out of China, but he decided to up and leave the Shanghai, right, and uh, Shanghai Performance Institute and look for better training. I think he found a pretty good spot with you guys. Do you guys have plans to bring him back to the to the gym, or what's going on with yeah, him? Yeah, I mean, Hey Lee was awesome. He was just such a great guy. He was tough as nails. Uh, I think, I don't know if he did, he was at Greg, he was at Jackson's for a mm -hmm. while. And then I don't know if he went Jackson's then Shanghai or Shanghai to Jackson's or what. And he went up to, uh, I believe he was up at Uriah's for a little bit. Um, and then you know, he came and ran camp with us and that was, uh, I mean, I think he was out with us for eight weeks. Um, and, and he looked good. He improved a lot. I think a lot of it comes down to training partners as well. When you don't have, um, we have, we have somebody that just came over from another gym, a smaller, I mean, kind of a mid mid range level gym. And he was the big dog over there and he was beating everybody up and looked amazing all the time. He thought he was ready for the UFC. And then he comes over to our gym and he's getting beat up by anyone and everyone. Wow. And it, it fractured his, his not, not beat up by everyone, but just not, he's losing rounds to people on a regular basis. And, and in his mind, he was ready to go take on the entire UFC division. And now he he's losing rounds and it's just different when you're, when you're there competing with people who you're better than all of the time, you think you're a lot better than you are. And, and, you, you know, you don't always adapt. You don't always get better as quickly as you should or could, um, you know, and, and having those training partners to keep you honest is big. And, and I don't think it's a, a level of talent or, a, or anything with, with the Shanghai PI and, and things like that. I think it's just the training partners aren't at the level yet. And so there's not that push to get better and better and better and better. The baseline is, much higher in America because we've been here, you know, for decades now doing the same thing. So I, I think once that baseline goes up, it'll go up. But Haley's been with us for a while, you know, and, and awesome human. And he had a very good wrestling background, but his MMA was was just lacking. He just he just needed some more MMA training. So hopefully he comes back. Love Haley, solid human. Um just just a lot of fun to be around. Yeah, it was super close to getting that dub again. If that point was taken away, you're walking home with a victory and double your money as well. Uh, yeah, but let's be honest. Yep. I mean, he, just just going back on that, yep. um, the point was taken away, but he needed that point taken away because if he didn't grab the fence right there, he might have gotten finished. He got hit Interesting. with a solid shot. I'm trying to recall it off the top of my head. I just remember yeah. there's a oh, fence I, mean, like, I don't remember. Yeah, like he, he won round one and two easily. Um, round three, he got clipped. Lopez clipped him. And, um, man, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe he wouldn't have gone out, but, uh, I would much rather not find out. I'd rather take the draw. <laughs> he, he got through it. He had the fence grab. I'm not saying it was right or wrong, but I, I just, 
and saying like, man, I'm, I'm not mad that he did that. Um, cause who, who knows, who knows what would have happened. Uh, but I'm, you know, I will err on the side of caution on that. I'm sure you'll come back and considering the, the improvements that he made with you guys. So I'm very much looking forward to what, uh, his second stint over there with you guys is going to look like shout out to our guy, Brandon Olivas in the chat <laughs> saying, these guys don't know shit. I is bigger. He will win. I believe is he on the Richie Lang side? I didn't actually get to watch a podcast. Yeah, he is on the Richie Lang. That's oh, one yeah, who he actually is. likes. I think he is. <laughs> and, and and I think he likes uh, – so who else does he like? What did he say? Oh, uh, no, that he's Korean. He likes Kyung Ho Kang. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he he's definitely on the – yeah. He, he's <laughs> – He's not a Durden fan. So Brandon, get out of here. Go home. Who needs <laughs> exactly. you? Brandon, you're going to get your time on the show. Just not this weekend. I promise you. All right. Let's move on to the next fight. We got Terrence McKinney going up against Ferris ZM in terms of odds. We're currently looking at, uh, it was a pick -em, Still is a pick -em, Minus 115 for the ZM side of things and plus 105 on Terrence McKinney. Uh, fun fight here. Uh, violence is what I'm expecting in this fight, to be honest. <laughs> Can't wait. I do like the under two and a half. I'm liking the, the fight doesn't go to decision. I am leaning on the Kenny side. I like his banshee type style. You know, he comes out like a like a bat out of a hell. He has a sneaky high kick that he's managed to knock out a couple guys with. Uh, has some great grappling and jiu-jitsu as well. Able to really generate crazy amount of power from weird situations. I've seen him knock out a couple dudes now from full guard, which you don't obviously see often, but the guy holds a ton of power in his hands. ZM, on the other hand, uh, he wants you to uh, play with him at kickboxing range. He wants to stay at that like kicking range where he can just let his combinations go way more disciplined than what Terrence McKenney's going to be bringing to the table, at least in the striking realm, but I don't think that that's the fight McKenney's going to be giving to him. I think he's going to be pushing him from the first bell. I think he's going to look to get him out of there early. Uh, I actually have a play on McKinney in round one at plus 600. Took a shot on that because I think that's just obviously worth it. Look at the resume that McKinney brings to the table. I think only two of his fights have reached uh, past the first round. But let alone his last four fights only lasted about, what, 100 seconds, 106 seconds. He just goes out there and starches these dudes. And that includes that uh, starching of Matt Favola in seven seconds in his UFC debut on short notice. Uh, again, I don't think he's going to allow ZM to kind of dictate the pace and kind of fight how he's been fighting against uh, his past two opponents. I believe it was uh, Luigi Vendramini and uh, Jamie Malarkey. They were allowing him to fight at kickboxing range. Uh, and then later, the later that the fight went, that's when he was starting to give up takedowns. However, I think that McKinney is probably the best grappler that uh, ZM has fought up until this point. Maybe not pure jiu-jitsu player. I think Vendramini is better uh, pure jiu-jitsu-wise. But in terms of overall grappling, wrestling, and all that included, I think McKinney will give him much more trouble. So I like McKinney. McKinney plus 600 round one is the play that I went with. But if this gets into round two and round three, I've seen McKinney death gas in the past. And I think that ZM could actually put it on him and get him out of there as well if this gets into the second and third round. So violence is my play here. Fight doesn't go to decision. I have a parlay with something else later on the card. Uh, but I do have this crazy plus money play on that round one finish for McKinney. What do you think about this matchup, Santino? I think McKinney is the play here. Um, yep. This card is actually interesting. Outside of the Hughes-Luana uh, fight early, and then I think it's the... Um, gosh, let me look at the card really quickly. There is uh, Adrian Yanez and Davey Grant. Yep. I think those are the two biggest spreads we have on the card. Mm -hmm. Almost everything else is almost dead even like minus 110 plus 110 like minus 105 minus 115 i mean it's a really close card in terms of odds i i think like the luana sam hughes fight i i think the, that large spread is probably a little wide um but a lot of these fights i think should be a bigger spread and i think this is one of them outside of terrence mckinney gassing 
That's it. Uh, well, honestly, the Luana fight as well. I I'm actually surprised it's not similar to the Luana spread because Luana, would you say she was at minus 450? Minus 400. 400. And she is known to guess, okay? Um, honestly, McKinney has guessed later in fights and earlier in his career when that adrenaline is going to go. We haven't seen him fight. I mean, his last, what, four or five fights have been literally 90 seconds total. Like yeah. 90 90 seconds to two minutes total in the last four, five, six fights. So we don't really know if McKinney is going to gas. We think he might gas. That's the only question mark here. He is by far the best wrestler. He was the number one national recruit coming out of high school. He was a two-time uh, Washington State champ. He won Fargo, which is a huge freestyle tournament here in, in, in the States. Um you know, he he wrestled in college, wrestled in Northern Idaho. Um, I mean, then, then he wrestled at um, a university as well. I forget which college he was at. He is solid. Separate from that, like we've seen him starching people in frivola in seven seconds. Get out of Crazy. here. Like, that's just insane. He's got the athleticism. He has the power in his hands. He has the speed. I mean, how does Zion beat him outside of Homer Simpson punching himself out and then falling over. I mean, I, I really don't know uh, unless McKinney just horribly gasses, like how does he win? Zayam is not a power striker. Zayam is going to pick you apart and, and try and just touch you up. And he's clean. He is clean. He is tall, but, but it's not a guy who's scary. His upper body defense is, is decent. Um, you know, just in terms of like grappling takedowns, but he can't stop a shot to save his life. We saw Malarkey, you know, take yep. him down numerous times. I thought Actually, Malarkey won that fight too. I thought, yeah, he got I thought Malarkey won that fight too. I thought he did. And, yep. uh, you know, even Brandon and I were talking about this earlier. He, um, he's been down at Sanford. He's, he's been down there six, eight weeks. That is not long enough to get your wrestling to where it needs to be. If you're down at Sanford where, you know, for years and years and years working with Greg Jones or somebody like that. Great. Absolutely. His, the only other thing that worries me about Zayam is uh, he will attack the neck. He will attack guillotines. He will attack some submissions in the transition as he's getting taken down. Honestly, I, I think outside of a, just an absolute third round gas issue with, with uh, Terrence, I, I think the only other way that, that Zayam wins this is like he throws a guillotine and kind of hail marries it on his way down early, early, like before we're sweaty, before there's, there's a slip factor going on, man, he just kept, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I think that's the only way it would happen outside of just McKinney, just gassing horribly. So I, I like McKinney at any odds, at any props, at any, anything. Uh, I, honestly, I just don't know. I, I mean, out, outside of his gas tank really being an issue that, that that's a fight that he's going to lose. My my only concern is on those entries to those takedowns, he does seem to get a little bit wild. And obviously ZM is a cleaner, crisper striker with the kickboxing background. Maybe he catches him with something straight down the middle. But like you said, not a big power puncher early. It would, if he's getting to finish, it would have to come from a death gas here from uh, McKinney later in this fight. That's the only other way I see ZM winning this fight, honestly. On a, on a technical level, I don't get how people at this point in the game if you shoot head on the inside, okay, so if you're left foot dominant, left foot is forward, right foot is back. If 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 you're both orthodox fighters and you shoot your head to their back hip, all right, so you're shooting head on the inside, what are you doing? 
Um, if somebody is a striker and they throw knees or uppercuts, you're literally going right into that knee or uppercut. You also, as a, a wrestler, if somebody shoots head on the inside, wrestling 101. How do you do? How do you defend the shot? Well, you face the head and you whizzer. Okay, so if you shoot head on the inside, you're already allowing your opponent to face your head and put a whizzer in and throw a knee and an uppercut to avoid that head on the outside that defends all of that. Now you have to worry about a guillotine with your head on the outside. You have to, there are other things you have to worry about, but you do not have to worry about getting kneed in the face or, or hit with an uppercut if you shoot head on the outside. Uh, then of course, you know, you clear the legs on the way down. It's a lot easier said than done. But when you're facing these tall strikers, the Woodsons, the the Zyams, these, these tall guys who like knees up the middle, man, head on the outside, head head off that that lead hip. And now you're not worried about getting kneed in the face anymore. All of that danger is taken away. Um, hopefully McKinney knows that. I, I, it's just astonishing to me to still see people shooting head on the inside and, and getting kneed in the face for their efforts. You, as as you're breaking that down, I am reliving Derek Lewis, Curtis Blades in my head. Like that, <laughs> exactly what you're saying there, right? He shot pretty much towards right? the power hand as well of Derek Lewis, and he just clipped him perfectly with that uppercut there. Yeah, exactly. That's why I like having you on, Santino. You know, breaking down the X's and O's. This is what the people really enjoy. And yeah, you know, we can see it, but being able to break it down the way that you're able to, that's why people really enjoy it. And hopefully, McKinney, given the wrestling background he already has and some of the MMA experience he's had, he should hopefully he knows that by now, right? But again, I you'd expect so. a guy like Curtis Blades to know that as well, but he's still getting knocked out by a guy like uh Derek Lewis. So it is what it is. All right, let's keep this train moving along because we're still on the prelims. Next up, we got Loma. Man, Luke let's Luke. let's scoop fast. Let's scoop <laughs> yes, fast because let's go. Loma Lukbumi versus Lupita Godinez. You actually did talk about uh, 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 Lukbumi recently. Uh, plus 145 is her price tag. Minus 165 is the price tag on Lupita Godinez. I'll let you kick this one off since you already had some thoughts regarding this fight. Please do let me know how you see this one going down. Man, I think, Loma, I, I, like I said, I, I think Loma is overrated uh, in terms of her ability. No, I, I wouldn't say she's overrated. I'm not impressed with her technical abilities. That said, look at this. I mean, I'm going to read this resume really quickly. Um, she is three and one in the UFC. Uh, Alexandra Albu, you know, won a split decision. Beat Jinyu Frey, won a decision. Beat Sam Hughes. Okay, so so Jinyu Frey, I think, is tough. I think Jinyu Frey yeah. is really good. She lost a decision to Angie Hill, who isn't uh, necessarily a finisher. Okay, but I think Loma's striking is so stiff. I think her grappling is so stiff. I, I, and I think Loopy is such a solid grappler. Her wrestling is getting better and better and better. We saw her in her last fight. Um, gosh, who did she fight? Uh, she's fighting. Uh, Luana Carolina. She went up a weight yes. class. Yeah. Yes. She went up a weight class and, and won that fight. And Luana is actually Sorry, fighting. She lost um, that one. Uh, oh, she it was lost the one yes. before that. She she beat uh, Savannah Gomez. Gomez. Yes, that's, yes, that's it. Because um, my girl Vanessa Demopoulos is fighting Silvana, so I was watching yeah. that. Um, you know, Loopy's grappling was was phenomenal. Her wrestling was phenomenal. She's been working it. Um, her her cage control. That wrestling, for the most part, doesn't matter in MMA. And I and when I say that, I mean pure wrestling in relation to cage wrestling. That's what really matters. Of course, wrestling matters. It's always, you know, a very beneficial. The better wrestler generally wins. We think pure wrestling. 
forget about that. I mean, yeah, it has its merits. It has everything. Being able to wrestle on a cage is a hunt is, is so different than being able to wrestle out in the open. There are so many people that could kill everybody out in the open, just pure wrestling D one national wrestlers, Olympic style wrestlers. And then you put them on a cage and they have no idea what they're doing. Loopy knows what she's doing on a cage. She gets a body lock. She hits that inside leg, kicks it, gets off balance. And she either takes the bottom leg or she comes out the back. She's really heavy. She's strong. She's heavy. Um, when I say heavy, I don't mean like she's, she's overly big, but she knows how to use her weight. I think she is going to drown Loma. Um, and, and it's hard to say she's going to finish a fight because so few women's fights are finished. They just, it's just not a thing, but I would not be surprised if, if, uh, Loopy just drowns her out, uh, and, and finds a, a submission. And I mean, honestly, any round. Yeah. I, I I'm not, I'm not so keen on her getting the finish here. Uh, I do think that she does drown her. Like you're saying though, I'm a big on her in this spot as well. I did parlay her with the fight. Doesn't go to decision in the McKinney and ZM fight just to get a little bit of a better line in that spot. But yeah, I, I love Godinez in terms of money line play. She's probably one of my more confident spots on the card. Uh, the striking, I don't think it's, going to be as wide as people are making it out to be given Loma's Muay Thai background but I do think that Lupi can stay competitive in those spots but eventually get to those spots that she needs to which is the grappling the cage wrestling dragging the fight to the ground and having success there so yeah glad we're on the same side here with Godinez let's keep the train moving along Santino we got Rafa Garcia going up against Natan Levy pretty much a pick em fight here uh minus 125 is what I saw on Rafa Garcia plus 105 on Natan Levy uh very close fight I'm actually on the Garcia side here I do think it's going to be a little bit more of like a bull matador type situation where we have the karate style of Natan Levy on the outside but I do think that at times we will see him kind of get caught up against the cage Rafa Garcia will kind of like bull forward throw his big heavy strikes probably get him up against the cage drag him to the ground one thing about Natan Levy syndicate MMA prospect over there um he has been going to his grappling a little bit more often in his most recent fights, but there are certain times where he's just having way too close of fights against guys he shouldn't be having close fights with, given the type of potential people believe that he has. He was very close again, stopped by Ben Lugos, I believe the kid's name was, where he almost finished him in the second round. Uh, and then he was having really back and forth exchanges against guys that I just don't think he should have. Um with the Garcia side, I think a lot of people are low on him now because he uh, shit the bet as a minus 300 favorite in his last fight against Chris Gritzmacher. But Gritz is just a gritty mo mofo. Let's just say that. He was able to survive the early onslaught and then just push a, a Nick Lentz-type pace, a Darren Elkins-type type pace. That's what I kind of classify Gritzmacher as. But I think that Gr Garcia... Uh, will rebound from that loss very well here. I think that Tom Levy is the perfect opponent for him to go and do it against. I think Garcia wins the uh, striking exchanges, but eventually drags the fights to the ground and, and gets enough control time on top to win this fight via decision. What are your thoughts on this fight, my brother? What are the odds on this one again? Um, it's a pick -em. It's a pick -em. So minus okay, 115 both right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's insane. I think Rafa Garcia should be a minus two billion on this oh, okay um, wow all right i, I mean i'm not i'm being a little bit you yeah. know facetious you know, I get it. facetious yeah but i don't even I, i'm shocked at how this is a pick em fight it doesn't make sense to me you made a good point um natan levy and i'm going to pull this up because i i want to actually read this to people because natan levy is six and oh okay yeah um he's got uh his third fight so uh, he finished his first two opponents. His third fight was against a guy who's three and three decision. Next fight was a guy who's one and zero oh, decision. 
next fight that you brought up, Ben Lugo, majority decision. So somebody had that as a draw and he got rocked early on. 10-8 in the second round. Almost got yes. finished in that. Yeah. Um, and, and then he did beat Shaheen Santana um, by arm triangle on contender series. But but even that, I wasn't overly impressed with him. Rafa Garcia on the other side, um, he, he, he lost to Chris Grutzmacher, who I don't know why people are as low on him as they are. I've trained with Grits a lot. I've known him since he was an amateur. He wow. is really good. He is really tough. Grits' things is, is he loses to really dynamic fighters. He lost to Alex Hernandez. Um, he lost, lost to Davey Ramos. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, the guy's one of the best jujitsu guys in, in the sport. Um, so he lost a, a decision, and, and he was doing really well. He rocked Grits in that first round. He took him down a few times. Then his only other loss is Nasrat uh, hack Parast, um, by decision as well. Um, I, I mean, he's got wins over Estevan Payan, who he finished him, who is a UFC vet. Um, LaRue Burley, who is a really good, yeah. solid uh, you know, fighter as well on the, on the local scene. And in, I, I think it's because he's coming from combates. If you look at most of his fights are in combates, and the combates guys generally haven't fared as well. Um, Rafa Garcia is is built like a house he's short but he has a longer reach i, I think natan levy is five nine rafa garcia is five seven but i think the reach is actually identical or somewhere around there it's it's not too big of a discrepancy he swings hard he's got solid wrestling uh he he's tested um you know natan levy i just don't think he's tested i think he's six and oh and i think maybe that they're giving that a little bit more uh merit than they should but i i Man, I think Rafa Garcia runs away with this. And I'm not certain why Natan, why people are so big on Natan Levy, not only in this, I think just in general. Uh, I, I just, not just, I, I'm not going to say he's not UFC level at this point. I just think we don't know if he's UFC level. He hasn't been tested. Um, and this is, this is really the test to see, does he belong here or not? Yeah, I, I, the one uh, prop I'm actually eyeing for that is plus 600 for him to win my KO as well. I do think he can find that chin of Levy because I think he hits pretty goddamn hard. And I do think he can put Levy in trouble and get him out of there. A quick question before we actually get on to the next matchup. When you were a fighter, what gym were you training out of or what gyms were you kind of uh, bouncing around at? Did you have one home or did you yeah. kind of cross train? So th that was, you got to remember, my first fight was in 2000. Okay, yeah. so that was 20 old timer over years here. Ago. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I started actually at a place called Brosa Jiu Jitsu, and that was like just a Jiu Jitsu academy. Man, it was a tiny little strip mall here in Arizona. It must have been, gosh, 900 square feet, a thousand square feet. Wow. But there was a bunch of us who came out of there: Joe Riggs, Edwin Deweese, um, man, Kwai uh, Kupahea. There was there's quite a few of us. We actually did well coming out of that small gym. Um, and that was really early. I trained at Arizona Combat Sports with Trevor uh, Lolly for a while. Um, then I was over in Hawaii for quite a while at uh, 808 Fight Factory. And and then I just kind of jumped around and did my own thing. I, I didn't really care for that, – that was early. You know, it was early days, uh, 2000 to 2003, 4-ish, 5-ish, you know, a lot, for the most part. And I didn't really agree with all of the training that I saw at all of the places. And I, and I didn't know – what I was necessarily doing, but I, I knew that there was something different. I knew that I, I wanted something else. So I kind of went to boxing gyms, went to kickboxing gyms, traveled around. Um, you know, I was a bit of a Ronin myself. And then eventually I had my own gym, you know, and I trained with a lot of my guys too. Um, but th those, those are the main gyms that I trained out of. Never a big camp, never anybody, uh, 
you know, never, never one of the cool kids. Not a super camp. <laughs> nope, definitely no super camps. Perfect. All right, let's keep this train moving along because next up we got the prelim headliner between Tucker Lutz and Pat Sabatini. A very intriguing fight here. In terms of odds, we're looking at a pick em. Once again, like you said earlier, since, you know, a lot of very closely lined fights throughout this entire card. We got slight money coming in on the, uh, the, uh, uh, Lutz side, uh, he actually opened up as a plus 145 dog and got bet down to a pick him because a lot of people are liking him in this spot, myself included. I think he has a great striking game. He has, a, I believe, a high school wrestling background as well. Uh, and that was that should help him keep this fight upright, which is where he should have the advantage over Pat Sabatini. Sabatini is a great Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt over there. I believe out of Daniel Gracie's camp. I, I could be off on the name there over there in Philadelphia. Uh, training with the likes of Sean Brady. Used to train with Paul Felder and all that. CFFC champ as well before coming on over to the UFC. Uh, great jiu-jitsu, but his striking still needs a little bit of work. Seems a little bit more flash than substance at this point in time. And you got to believe he's still making improvements. So let's give him that benefit of the doubt. But given what I've been seeing from both of these guys, I feel like Lutz is a little bit further ahead in the striking game. And I think that he will be able to keep this fight upright. And even if he does get taken down, I think he'll be able to get back to his feet and get his striking going once again. I got Lutz. I took him as an underdog at plus 110. Still think he has value. Still think he should probably be the slight favorite, to be honest. Maybe minus 125, minus 130 is where a true line should be. But I like Lutz in this spot, and I think he will uh, have a great second fight, especially after that big win. He got over Kevin Aguilar, where he put on a full MMA display. Takedowns, striking, all of it. Against a, a veteran like Kevin Aguilar as well. Very impressed with what I saw from Tucker Lutz that night, and I think he replicates it tomorrow night against Pat Sabatini. What are your thoughts about this fight, brother? My only issue with everything you said about Tucker Lutz is that I didn't know that he was that big of a dog, and I didn't get to bet on him early. Ah, oh, like, damn it, Santino. <laughs> you know, um, man, yeah, I, I think I think Sabatini is tough. I, I think he's gritty. I don't know that that is going to do him. He's got a good record. I think he's 13 and 3, 14 and 3 at this point. Um, I, I, I think he scrambles well. His jujitsu is good. Um, but that's not, you don't want your best attribute to be that you're tough and that you scramble well yeah. <laughs> with your jujitsu. Uh, his striking needs a lot of work. Tucker Lutz is going to outstrike him. He has the power. Lutz is going to be bigger than him. The only issue with him being bigger is, is does his gas tank fade a little bit? And we've seen him slow down a little bit toward the end. I don't think Sabatini will slow down toward the end. So I, I think this is a seven to eight, eight minute fight. And not that I think it's going to be finished in that point. It's how how tired is Lutz at that seven to eight minute mark um, as round two is is closing out? And is, is he fading too big to where he starts giving up these positions and Sabatini can come on? Or is he going to, you know, or, or does he have it left to, to really push the pace? And outside of that, I, I really, I, I like Lutz here. I'm not a big fan, not, not a big fan I, I'm of Sabatini. I mean, I'm not a big fan of him winning this fight here. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, we saw him get dropped in his last fight and he pulled a Hail Mary heel hook, you know, from China, from the Shanghai PI <laughs> right out. And, and, and I, Tucker Lutz is going to have the bigger strikes, the more powerful strikes. He's a decent wrestler. I think Sabatini actually might've wrestled in college as well, but he doesn't show his wrestling that well uh in the cage it's and that comes down to cage wrestling what we talked about before is yeah. is understanding the distance with strikes understanding the cage wrestling that your natural pedigree do, doesn't always matter that much look at dominic cruz dominic yeah. cruz was a wrestler was not an overly accomplished high school wrestler either um you know and he's taken down 
college All-Americans and defending college All-American takedowns. So he, his his cage takedowns are phenomenal. Um, with that, I think Tucker Lux, Lutz wins this outside of, honestly, again, a, a Homer Simpson situation. I love it. I love it. Glad we're on the same page for that fight. All right. First fight of the prelims, uh, the prospect that everybody loves to watch, Mr. Adrian Yanez going up against Davy Grant. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 280 now for Yanez and plus 240 the return on Davy Grant. I'm a big fan of Adrian Yanez. His striking looks so clean and crisp. Uh, one thing I've been saying all week is he, he's one of the more balanced fighters out there in terms of when you watch him fight, like his striking style is very balanced. He's, he, he's never too far over his lead foot. He's never too far back. Uh, you never really see him trip up on anything just because he's so you know calm and calculated when he's letting his strikes go and his combinations go and I think that's why he's been been able to be so successful over his last couple fights here against Davey Grant he's going up against a guy who's never been knocked out so that's one thing he's going to try to look and and take that away from Davey Grant here uh, but I think that Grant a little bit too wild in the striking exchanges you know it's funny how he knocked out Jonathan Martinez and Martin Day with pretty much the exact same combination gotta believe a guy like Adrian Yanez is going to pick up on that and find the perfect counter to be able to find the perfect shot to put Davy Grant down on his butt. Um, odds a little bit wide, but I'm okay with it. I like Giannis in the spot. I do think that eventually he will fall into some trouble when he's fighting more, uh, you know, wrestling-based guys. But Davy Grant has gone to the wrestling in the past. It's just not his bread and butter. I just don't think he's going to get it done here against Giannis. So I like Giannis. Giannis by KO. What are your thoughts on Adrian and ultimately how do you see this fight going down? Um, I I'm shocked the odds are the way that they are. Um Man, you know, you know, I I think David Grant wins this. I think all he's, right, yeah. Lay it on me, lay it on me. I, I think um, he is a lot bigger than Giannis. Giannis almost looks like he could be a twenty-five or uh, you know, I don't know what he walks around at, but he is not a big guy. Oh look, I see my small child in the background <laughs> over there, Lennox. Yeah, I've got my other one right here. He's got an earbud in. Um, he's hey! been, he's been sitting next to me the whole time. I've got one earbud in. He's got like the it. other one in, just sitting next to me, listening the whole time, just kind of hanging out. But Actually, um, I'll keep my potty mouth to a uh, to a minimum. Then yeah. I <laughs> um. So he's heard it all. I'm the worst. You know, I try. My <laughs> wife doesn't swear, so I get it in for both of us. There you but, go. But um, Giannis is clean. I really like his striking. I think he's very technical. Um, he's composed. He doesn't gas. He's very sharp. He's calculated. That I mean, he is all of the things, you know, some of the things that that we I always look for in in bets and in fights in general are cardio, age, fight IQ, all of those things. And, and Davy Grant goes against all of those things in this fight. He's 35. Um, he's I wouldn't say as horrible cardio, but he definitely slows down significantly. Um and, and he makes some bad decisions. It, it's Corey Sandhagen with, um, gosh, who did he fight? Not Jan, um, TJ. Throwing yeah. 500 spinning kicks and getting his back taken every time. When Davy Grant is gassing, or not, not even that he's gassing, he does not have a phenomenal gas tank, and he throws these spinning kicks, that's a lot of energy. That's a poor decision. That said, I mean, he is big. He hits hard. He is, like you said, he has never been knocked out. Um, we saw Yana's really get picked apart against um, Costa. Gosh, against Costa. Yeah. And rewatching that fight, Costa is big. He's a big, he's about the same size as Davy Grant. Okay. I think he's a little bit heavier. Um, I, I think Davy Grant has a little bit more of an upper body. I think he has more power in his hands. Um, I, I think. 
we saw Costa bust him up quite a bit, okay? And when Costa switched southpaw, that really messed with Giannis. And Davy Grant is a southpaw. Um, the the other thing is Davy Grant has really good body work, and because he's a southpaw, he likes to throw a head combination, and then he will finish with a left hook to the body, like not even like almost like a left uppercut, a left looping hook, a mix between a hook and an uppercut on his exit, and that that's what put Jonathan Martinez down. Um, Martinez is a fellow southpaw as well, but it was a body shot. His body shots are good. Yana's got busted up against Costa. Costa gassed. Costa, Yana's didn't win that fight. Yeah, Yana's didn't win that fight. Costa lost that fight. He gassed out so hard. But if you look at Costa, even in round one when he was beating Yana's up, he's off balance. He's reaching with his punches. He's overexerting everything. And Davy Grant throws power in all of his punches, but he's not off balance the same way Costa was. He's not, he's not a quitter he's never adrenaline dumped himself out of a fight um i don't think he's gonna adrenaline dump himself out of this fight i think his size his reach his body shots and in his power and he can wrestle a little bit too he will catch kicks he caught he caught marlon vera's kicks put him on his yeah. ass a couple of times um I, honestly i thought he was doing really well with vera i thought he won round one i thought he won almost all of round two he, even he got cut and then really I, I thought he won round two up until the last little flurry toward the end of it i mean that was a really close fight um Giannis is beating guys who are nowhere near the level of competition that davy grant is fight is is fighting and beating I, I think davy grant runs away with this and i'm i'm wondering if i'm insane for thinking that <laughs> or if everybody else is insane for not thinking that like i honestly i don't even think it's a i think it's a no-brainer I, I don't even think we're i i think grant runs away with this fight my, my one thing that I'll kind of pick apart in terms of your analysis for this, the difference between Costa and Grant, I feel like Costa's a little bit better of a striker in terms of he was using a very crisp jab down the middle the entire time, moving very well, very long and lanky as well, right? He was using that jab to set up the rest of his combinations, and he was hitting every single time. I don't really see much of a jab out of Grant. I see more power, wide-winging shots. That's where I kind of deviate from your analysis in terms of this fight specifically. But I do agree with you that he has big power, and he, you know, Yanez is a liability in terms of getting hit and possibly getting put out and i think that if anybody's gonna knock him out grant probably could do so yeah see that's that's actually why i like grant in this fight the way that he strikes are those big looping strikes um Giannis has a really tight guard he'll yeah. keep his hands tighter and he defends a little bit better more in a traditional way and grant throws those big looping punches around the back of the head and he's got the reach to do it especially with giving the height and the reach and he even did that with vera a little bit who's the same mm -hmm. height as him is you really caught him on the on the outside of of his uh guard and i think those are the punches that we're actually going to see land up top are the ones not down the middle on his face they're going to be on his ear and in almost toward the back of his head there you go. And for everybody that's parlayed Giannis this week, there's your moment to kind of shit your pants a little bit because that team is pretty, <laughs> pretty damn good with these picks. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this fight plays out. Personally, I have no money on the fight. If I am betting it at all, I'm taking Giannis by KO, but that line is just not good enough for me to pull the trigger. All right, let's keep the fight, uh, the, the train moving along here. We got four fights left. Next up, we got Joanne Wood, newly Mrs. Wood, uh, obviously married uh, Syndicate's head coach over there, John Wood. Uh, that married, I think that wedding happened like less than two weeks ago. Very, 
odd timing in terms of her training camp and all that. Uh, she's going up against Tyler Santos, big favorite here in Tyler Santos, minus 350-ish on the Tyler Santos side, and plus 290, Joanne Calderwood or Wood. I'm doing my best to drop the Calder, but goddamn, it's just a, a habit at this point in time. Uh, I, I like Santos, man. I know Wood always fights close to the level of her competition, and she's always in these close, nitty-gritty fights, you know, split decisions here and there. But I think that Santos has kind of that ace in the pocket, which is her takedowns. I think she's going to be able to get Calderwood to the, or Wood down to the ground here, and I think she should be able to do some good work from on top. But her striking is good, too. Like, she has decent striking. She's a good Muay Thai practitioner. She has some power in her shots, and I think that will allow her to remain competitive on the feet. I think the only way Wood wins this fight is volume, right? Volume and output. That's mainly how she, she gets her dubs is, uh, you know, throwing 200 strikes in a fight or something like that and just trying to outpoint her opponent. But unfortunately... She doesn't change anything about her style. Like, she always has these close fights, fighting the exact same way. And if she thinks she's going to do that here against Santos, I think uh, she's going to end up with a, a big, fat L. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that she, she wins this fight at all. If you're looking at Calderwood in this fight, rather than taking her money line, taking her by decision is probably the best way at plus 400 because I just don't see her, you know, knocking out Tyler Santos. I don't see her submitting Tyler Santos. And then on the Santos side, I'm kind of trying to figure out, is she going to be able to submit her? We've seen Wood submitted in the past obviously most recently by jennifer maya and then uh we've seen her win by decisions most recently over jillian robertson and roxanne modafferi i like santos here i think she lands takedowns i think she wins the striking with the more emphatic strikes uh but it's ultimately going to be the takedowns that sway the judges in her favor alex santos santos by decision and i do have her parlayed with something later on in this card as well what do you think about that matchup i like santos here i like santos i think i think you're right with the wrestling but i think i, I think you're more right with a few other things too is not, is not only just Talia Santos's wrestling, but Joanne's inability to really um, out wrestle as well. Like she's winning by volume, and, and and she's having these fights, these close fights with with Lauren Murphy, with Andrea KGB, um, who are not great wrestlers. And, and the second you get a wrestler involved in that mix, I think all bets are off. Um, and then also on top of Santos's wrestling, she is physical. She is powerful. She is going to be able to physically dominate Jojo. And we saw that with uh, Jillian, who, who Jillian Roberts, I think is tough. I think she's a solid grappler. I think she's very good. And Santos was able to physically dominate her, which is, you know, when she gets her hands on you, it's almost like quicksand when Jillian does. And Santos really was not worried about that at all, was was way more physical person. Just just looking at her record, her last three, three wins, she's got Molly McCann, Jillian Robertson, and Roxanne Mataferi. I mean, that's a solid, uh, I mean, that's a solid uh, resume right there. The only thing, it's weird, she lost a split decision to Mara Barello. Yeah. And Mara, I don't even know if she's still in the UFC. No. Honestly, she's not very good. She's not very technical. But the thing is, she's very big and very physical. And that is the thing that's going to give Santos problems is big physicality, not technique. Jojo can be as technical as she wants, but she's she's not going to be able to handle the the physicality of uh, of Talia Santos here. And I, I think Santos is an easy, easy win. Not easy win. I think it'll be a tough fight. I think it's an easy pick. Because the difference between an easy betting line and an easy fight are i mean those those two things are infinitely can be infinitely far apart absolutely absolutely all right not too many more thoughts on that fight so let's just keep this train moving along and i'll actually let you kick this one off next because you did have some thoughts on kong or at least uh mr brandon olivas had some thoughts on kong we got uh kyung ho kong taking on a honey yaya in terms of odds again another pick em spot uh minus 110 on both sides what can you tell us about this matchup between the korean fighter and the brazilian fighter Man, looking at his record, because I, I like records, and 
I like to see how people match up and, and he's got a resume. Let's see. He's, he's fought in the UFC quite a bit. He's got a loss to Chico Kimos and that was a long time ago. Don't get me wrong. He's been in the UFC for a very, very long time. Um, but he's got a split decision win against Brandon Davis. And I think Davis is, I really like Davis's striking. He just lost uh, somebody just knocked him out recently. I forget who, um, but I think he's actually better than, than what he showed. I think his striking is really clean. I don't think he's a great wrestler, and I think he has bad fight IQ. He stays on his back, and he, and he doesn't do well. The thing I like about Yaya, and Yaya is old, and, and this is one of those things. He's 36, okay? Um, he lost to Ricky Simone by decision, and Simone is huge. This is He is one of the fighters that I love. Not that I like Yaya, not that I like his style, not that I'm going to go out and buy a pay-per-view with Yaya. What I love about Yaya is he is not confused with who he is as a fighter. He knows that he, it, we see it all the time. Wrestlers turn into boxers and then they get knocked out. Remember that stretch of Damian Maya where he was a striker all of a sudden and then he <laughs> yeah. got, he lost. Like, man, Damian Maya, you're a jujitsu guy. Let's go jujitsu some stuff. And then when he went back to jujitsu, he had great success. Yaya is going to fly in there, pull whatever guard shot takedown he has got to do and he is going to scramble and find a neck find a leg find an arm but the good thing is he's not going to gas out he'll do that for three rounds and he knows exactly who he is um and, and i think yaya wins this i think he wins this with with that grappling i think to beat yaya you need to be able to negate his grappling and all fighting yaya is like fighting ryan hall that is it's just a very tricky fight and and there's a way to beat hall and that's a that you have to negate his grappling and i i don't think that's going to happen in this fight and i think he's going to scramble it's not going to be clean yeah yeah is not clean he's going to scramble and flail and wiggle and come out the back and climb through the cage and under it and then out and undertaker his ass somewhere on top <laughs> and win this fight whether it's by submission or decision I'm actually on the Kong side here. I've been on Kong pretty heavily uh, during his UFC run. Uh, I will say this, though. I'm not betting on this fight because it is damn close. I do think that we'll see a success from both sides. I don't think that uh, Yaya has the greatest cast tank either. He does seem to fall off roughly around round two. Uh, you know, he does like spam takedowns as much as possible, as early as possible, so he can get the fight into his realm. But he also has that style of like, you know, uh, Damian Maya has done it in the past. Um, uh, Sergio Marais, another guy, uh, BJJ guy. Uh, there's one more uh, BJJ guy that I can't just get off the top of my head, but they throw just absolute heat in their strikes because they don't care about getting uh, countered or taken down because they want it to be in their realm regardless. And that's kind of what we get with Haniaya, where he's trying to force the takedown out of you at times if he's not able to get to the fight uh, to the ground himself anyway. Kong, very long, rangy, good striker in my opinion. Uh, solid jiu-jitsu. I think it's serviceable enough to deal with a guy like Yaya as high level as Hani is on the ground. I think that Kong will be able to hang with him and not get smitten in this spot we could see honey you know land some reversals land some top time all that stuff that is absolutely live which is why i'm not taking or i'm not betting kong in this fight uh but but i am leaning on the kong side i'm actually leaning on the overs more so in this fight is why well. i do think that this fight does end up seeing the scorecards if there is a finish uh, it's either honey yaya early with the submission or maybe kang or kong with a late finish in round three with uh that plus 1200 prop if anybody is uh interested in that um the over two and a half right now is sitting around minus 140 i don't think that's a bad bet i i do think that we'll see a grappling exchange here and then we'll see this fight go the the full 15 minutes if you guys 
Lug, like your grappling and want to see a grappler's delight, I would highly recommend watching his fight against Michinori Tanaka. That was a phenomenal fight from years ago where they're just back and forth reversals, uh, submission attempts. One of the best fights I've ever seen from a grappling standpoint. So if you ever want to want to dig into that, there you guys go. But I got uh, Kong. My man Santino has yeah yeah let's move on to the coleman event because i can't wait to hear really quickly on that last Go one ahead. i'm not betting it either i think it's okay. i think it's a bit of a toss-up too yeah i'm not touching money on that um I, I i would advise nobody to touch that that's that i think is a coin toss um just one last thing on that yeah sure just looking at kong's record he beat ping young lu who is no world beater by split decision he beat Brandon Davis, who I, I think this kicked Brandon Davis out of the UFC and was not overly successful prior to by split decision. Um, he beat Gueno Canetti, um, you know, who's no world beater either. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think Kong is a, a decent grappler. I just don't know that he's really, you know, competed at the level as Yaya and I, I think you said it best. I think this fight goes decision. If you're going to play it, you you play the over one, over one and a half. I think that's easy money right there. Um, and and I think Yaya ends up getting those scrambles in top position. And I think that's what wins this fight. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch it with money. I barely touch it with my eyes, let alone with money. <laughs> exactly. I would just want to sit back and hopefully enjoy a grappler's delight that we should be getting with this yep. fight because I hope they do tie up and we see those sequences. All right, Coleman event time, big time fight here in the welterweight division. We got uh, minus one. Uh, 65 on our guy Sean Brady, Philadelphia's own Sean Brady, going up against Michael Chiesa, trying to make a quick turnaround after he got submitted by Vicente Luque back in August. Uh, I'll let you kick this one off, dude. What, what, what do you think about this matchup? This is a great stylistic fight. I can't wait to hear how you think this one's going to go down, brother. I think Chiesa wins this. I, I think okay. right off the bat, Chiesa wins this. I think Chiesa, it's funny, Chiesa's a jujitsu, I wouldn't even call him a jujitsu guy, a grappling a really strong grappler. He mixes his wrestling well with the jujitsu. Um, he's got phenomenal wins. He's got phenomenal submissions. I think he has a mental issue. And if you look at him, he's a jujitsu guy. We'll, we'll call him jujitsu guy, a grappler. Okay. Whatever you want to, however you want to classify that. He's got th four losses. Okay. 17 and four. One of those is a cut to Joe Lozon. The other three are submission losses. He lost Darce to uh, George Masvidal. He lost Darce, Darce or Anaconda to Vincente Luque. He lost a guillotine to Kevin Lee, which, you know, I think that was, or not guillotine, I'm sorry, Rene Kachok, where I think was that the one where he didn't say he was out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that was the weird one. That was and, when they were at main event again. Don't talk about my mom. That was the Yeah, but. Upset. He did I also mean, get submitted by Anthony Pettis by triangle armbar. Oh, you're so, right. You're right. By, yeah. by triangle armbar, by Anthony Pettis. So he was a big favorite and, in that fight, too. And yeah. all of those people were strikers. Those are mm -hmm. all he's getting submitted by strikers. So why is that? Um, Rafael Dos Anjos isn't submitting him, but uh, Anthony Pettis is. And Pettis has good jujitsu. Um, and I think it's a mental thing. I think when people can scare Kiesa, I think they can. I think he'll find a way out. And I, I think he, whether it's intentional or not, whether he panics, whether they outstrike him and, and rock him or whatever, something happens, and Kiesa can't handle the the pressure. I don't think Sean Brady is going to scare him at all. Um, I, I don't think his striking is going to worry him in the least. I don't think his wrestling is is really very dominant. Um, he's shorter. He's not scary. He scrambles well, and he, he will eventually get takedowns, and he'll wear people down, and he will submit them 
you know, second or third round, but I don't think he's going to scare Kiesa. And I, I think a calm, dominant front runner Kiesa is hard to beat. And Kiesa is big. And I, I think Kiesa ends up kind of running away with this fight because honestly, just, I don't think he's scared. I don't think he's worried. And I think he will fight tooth and nail against um, Brady because I just don't think he's going to be afraid. And, and Brady is not some scary striker. And again, if you look at the guys who are beating Kiesa, it's scary strikers and they're submitting him. That tells me that is something weird. That is not right. That's a mental thing. And Kiesa is not going to be scared of him. And, and, and I think he runs away with this. And I'm, I, I think we see it a lot with, with these odds. Brady's undefeated. People love a O at the end of that record. And, and I think that's why these odds are, are as close as they are. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you, but I'm actually on the Brady side, but no bet because there's one big part of this fight that we just haven't seen from the Sean Brady side of things in terms of how he's going to react. And that's seeing him off of his back. We've never seen him off of his back. He's always the one on top. His jujitsu works best when he's the one in top position. The way he sets up his guillotines, he has a nasty choke. The way he got Christian Aguilera out of there, you know, kind of trying to pass the half guard while teasing the, the neck with the guillotine and kind of playing back and forth with both of those, finally getting the full mount and then finally getting that choke like the guy is super next level in my opinion with his jiu-jitsu from the top position what is he like from the bottom that is my big question because that's what kiesa does he has taken down every single one of his opponents except kevin lee he always goes for the takedown he tries to get his jiu-jitsu going he's trying to strangle you i'm not sure if he'll be able to strangle uh sean brady here brady you know from what we know he's a high level black belt so i'm not sure if kiesa will have that success in getting the submission however He's been a high-level black belt in the past, too. Benio Darius. A lot of people forget about that, but Kiesa has a very solid uh, submission victory over Benio from back in the day. So it's not out of the question, but I'd kind of be surprised if he pulls off a submission here against Sean Brady. That fact alone, the fact that we haven't seen Brady off of his back, is what's keeping me off of him, especially as him with the uh, minus 165 price tag beside him. Uh, I completely understand the underdog shots that people are taking on Michael Kiesa in this spot, and I'm you know wishing them well. I personally think that Brady will uh, keep this fight vertical. I think he'll keep it standing. I think he'll be able to stuff a couple takedowns and then let his striking go because personally... I don't think he has a striking is that good. I think it's I think it's a deer in a headlights type of thing where he's just like, I don't know what to do, but as soon as I get close to you, I'm going to take you down. And that's what happened with Vicente Luque, right? He tried taking a different approach. He didn't try pushing the fight. He stayed on the outside, and then when his opportunity arose, got the takedown, got the back a lot quicker than he expected. He even said that earlier this week in an interview, and he's just like, yeah, it, you know, I, I got to that position way quicker than I did, and I was thinking submission over position, which is why he lost the position and then ultimately gave up that dark stroke to Vicente Luque. So I'm interested to see what his approach is here against a guy like Brady, who we've never seen off of his back. Uh, but I do think that we'll see Brady keep this fight upright and just kind of outpoint him on the feet. I think we'll see a lot of leg kicks out of him because of obviously the range that he's going to have to cover. Uh, and that's another big question mark for me, right? If Brady is going to get his hands going, he has to close the distance and let his hands go. But there's an opportunity for Kiesa to grab onto him and try to drag this fight to the ground as well. So big, big question marks. Huge step up in competition for Sean Brady. But I think he passes it here. And as our guy, uh, Mr. Brandon Olivas is here. Uh, where's that damn comment? Where's that comment? Uh, Kiesa ready to take a permanent seat next to Felder. <laughs> so <let's see. laughs> Honestly, like I said, that <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. I, I think Kiesa is comfortable as a commentator, and like I yeah. said, I think that's a mental thing. I think him him winning and losing is a mental thing at this point, and I, I think he is very close to being a commentator. Um, I, I think if he has any more fight in him, I think this is his fight. I think it's honestly, I think he'll run away with it. 
Um, but if you see him break early and crack, it would not surprise me if we saw him retire afterwards. It wouldn't surprise me either. All right, main event time. But before we get to the main event, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe. We're close to 200 live viewers. I know you guys were really much anticipating this uh, stream, especially when I announced that Santino was coming on. So give Santino some love as well. I got his IG linked in the description below. Make sure you guys go follow him there. And if you are on the YouTube live stream, I just dropped his YouTube channel in the comment section. So make sure you guys go click that and hit a subscribe on his too because he drops weekly breakdowns as well with this guy, Brandon Olivas, who's also in the chat section as well. Uh, can we also... kick him out of there? Can we kick him out of there? <laughs> how do we do that? Uh, well, we'll work on that. We'll work on that part for sure. Well, we'll have to see how it works next time when he's the one in your spot and you're the one in the comment section. <laughs> I think you're going to want to keep him in the comment section. But yeah, uh, make sure you guys go follow him. Uh, subscribe to his channel as well. Drops great videos as well sometimes every now and then drop some training footage as well uh some not just betting pick stuff but what is your plan for that channel is it going to strictly go to picks and, and bets and predictions or are you trying to incorporate behind the scenes stuff as well what's well, funny you know i've been doing a lot of bets and predictions just because I, honestly from from you you're like hey what the hell are you doing start doing this stuff regularly um and i was like ah okay fine um honestly I, I have i've done some bets and prediction stuff before and then i have a lot of training videos on there i have other stuff from from the past um honestly i don't know i enjoy content i've, I've got some people i've actually thought about doing some other interviews of some other coaches and stuff um i've got some friends in the industry and i was like ah, it'd be fun to bring them on uh you know like i said i i mainly do bets and predictions right now but i love content i love content i love mma i like sharing MMA content with people and honestly anything people want to see I mean if 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 people wanted uh my bets and predictions or if they wanted me to do a, a video breaking down fights or showing some moves or interviewing somebody I'm up for it I love MMA I, I like bringing MMA to people and, and I'm fortunate to have have a few different hats that I wear um you know where I'm where I'm a coach and you know a, a better and oddly enough, technically savvy enough to be able to chop up some video or get some good footage of stuff. So um, I, I don't really know. You know, I've been focusing on betting right now, but anything MMA and I'm your Huckleberry. I think people will love it. You have a very interesting seat in the MMA world, you know, training high-level fighters and even just having your own stuff going on as well. So I think people will really enjoy some behind-the-scenes looks, breakdowns, and whatever it is. So, yeah, make sure you guys subscribe to Santino's channel and give my boy some love. All right, main event time. And I can't believe we're ending the night with this fight, but we are. Here we are. Ketlin Vieira against Misha Tate. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus, uh, well, actually a pick and fight, minus 110 on both sides. I'll quickly break this one down for you and then send it on over to you. Uh, pretty binary fight. Another binary fight to break down. Uh, Ketlin Vieira, very strong striker. You know, she it seems like she throws a lot of uh, heavy strikes into, uh, or sorry, a lot of power into her strikes to kind of get, get her opponents to to respect her. Uh, and then there are uh, uh, times where she goes out there and seeks the takedown as well. Uh, she tries to grind her opponents from on top, but her cardio seems to uh, suffer for that, which is why uh, if you guys can look this up, go on MMADecisions.com. Every single third round that Ketlin Vieira has been in, she has lost. She hasn't unanimously won a third round. And that includes Kelly Fashol's. Yes, I'm sure you guys don't even know who that is. 
I'm just trying to make a point. That's all I'm saying. Misha Tate has gone on plenty of five-round fights in the past, so she has plenty of uh, experience later in fights, and I think that would definitely come into uh, play here if she is able to survive the early rounds here against Catelyn Vieira. I think we'll see Catelyn probably win the first two rounds or so, but then after that, I think we're going to see her slow down, and I think the takedown Tate is going to come out. I think she's going to be start uh, grounding this fight, getting some good success from on top, and possibly find a finish in round four or five. I have money on the under four and a half at plus one, uh, 145. Uh, I think that's a great spot because that covers a potential club and sub finish from Vieira early because I do think she has a striking advantage. But the later this fight goes, I think it's going to be one-way traffic on the ground. And I think that we'll see Tate have tremendous success when she's able to ground it. Um, I did also poke round four and five for uh, Misha Tate, which is roughly around plus 2,700 and plus 3,000 as well. Got to take those little sprinkles, Santon. When I see something and an edge like that, got to take a little bit of a sprinkle, whether it's 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Got to take that. So that's what I did here with Tate. I think she wins this fight. Fifth round, ground and pound or sub. Take take it to the bank, Santino. How do you feel about this one? I don't think I need to say a thing. I think you said <laughs> it. Um, I, I think I think you're spot on. I, I think Ketlin, um, she throws hard early. Um, yeah. But but some days it's the opposite of Yaya. Hani Yaya knows who he is as a fighter. Does Ketlin Vieira? Is she a striker? Is she a, a grappler? Is she a... Because she's not taking people down and finishing them. She's not starching them. Like, what is she doing? It's... it's. I, I don't know that she knows how she wants to win. Um, you know, and... But she gasses, you know. It, it's... But actually, even before we get to the gassing, yeah, she's a striker. Yeah, she throws tough strikes, you know, heavy shots early. But so did Holly Holm. Yeah. Holly Holm is a much better version of any sort of striking anything than Ketlin Vieira. And, and Tate took her licks in that fight, don't get me wrong. But she is tough as nails. And I've always been a Tate hater. Not that I, I've always, um, that I've disliked her or anything. I've kind of always been against her. She's just one of those people that I always thought was going to lose. And she's always proved me wrong. She wins the fights that I always thought she was going to lose. And she's been away from the game for a long time. And I, and I think, uh, fighting Renault on her fight back was a gimme knock the ring rust off. Her striking little looked a little improved. She looked, you know, decent. She looked a little bit more fluid. I wouldn't say she looked great, but she looked a little decent. You know, she looked decent. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think Vieira is going to be able to out wrestle Tate. I, I think, I think the lack of being able to dictate the wrestling pace where the fight ends up, the cardio issues, um, you know, and, and just that the durability of Tate outside of Tate just not performing because it's been so long and now she's fighting, you know, better competition than her last fight. And now she's a little bit older. Like you take those things and they're all real, but you can't really place them until you know that you can place them. And in women don't age the same way men do men age and we age women, their longevity is longer. I mean, they're, they're men at 35, 36, 37. It's like, man, their chin is gone. They're shot. You, you bet the young fighter women aren't the same. They, they go 38, 39, 40 because they're not taking the shots. They're not getting knocked out like the men are, you know, as a whole, um, Tate wins it, you know, especially if this gets in around three, I mean, just bet whatever you have, whatever's left in the bank account that you lost on all the other fights, bet that on Tate. Um, you know, after the third round, whatever the, the in-round betting comes to.
Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. The live betting has got to be, you know, much juicier for the uh, Tate side after rounds one and two, especially if uh, Ketlin has success early as she normally does in fights. All right, that's pretty much a wrap on the breakdowns here. The last thing I like to do here, though, is uh, drop the, the our most confident play on the card or our lock of the night play. Personally, I don't have an official lock of the night play on this specific card, uh, but I'd say my most confident spots are either Lupita Godinez uh, or the fight doesn't go to decision for uh, Ferris Liam and Terrence McKinney. Those are my two favorite spots of the card. Santino, what are your favorite spots on this card? Yeah, I really like both of those. I'm really, I'm looking back. I really like uh, Soriano uh, on just a straight up. I, I think that's almost a gimme. Um, McKinney fight is not going a distance. I like Loopy. Um, you know, and everyone's going to think I'm nuts here, but I really like that that Davy Grant fight. I really like Davy Grant over Giannis. Um Do you think he you finishes know, him? Um, probably not. You know, Giannis is tough. He's durable. He he's not getting finished a lot. I, I don't know that he will, but I really like Davy Grant over Giannis. Um, I'm not saying that's my lock of the night. I, I definitely yeah. think Soriano's a better pick. I think Loopy's a better pick. I think uh McKinney not going the distance is a better pick. Um I I, I think um, you know, Misha Tate winning is a better pick. Um, you know, especially the the over. Um, but but I do like that Davy Grant pick, especially as a big dog. Perfect. I love it. And I will give you the platform one last time in case there's anything you want to plug on the way out and then I'll wrap this thing up. I mean, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. It's always fun. Uh, appreciate you, you know, kicking me in the ass, making me do my own thing as well. And it's on, yeah, you know, on, on Instagram, just, uh, at Santino DeFranco on YouTube, it's Santino DeFranco eight, two, um, you know, come follow me. And if you guys have really the biggest thing is, is this is fun for me. Uh, I, I love it. I love the content. So if you guys see stuff that you want to hear from me whether whether it's an analysis a breakdown something a, a technical move let me know you know i i would love to love to create some content that people want to see that is that is requested so feel free to hit me up on one of those and you know other than that man just uh don't lose too much money uh shout out to our guy brad mcpherson here sticking with the gig the entire stream He's been asking about Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gon. So there is a content idea for you, Mr. Santino. Right before their fight, I would love to see a legitimate breakdown, maybe 15 to 20 minutes, spending time on them, their improvements, their path to victories, all that. I know Brad. I'll do that one in the cage. Yeah, I'll do that one in the cage. Yeah, we'll break it down. Actually, Kamuela Kirk and I were in, I forget what fight we were breaking down, and we kind of just botched the audio on something. Um, and so I ended up not posting it. But I will do that uh, with Kamuela Kirk. Um, we're both six foot five, 280 pounds. <laughs> Are you saying he, you're Francis and Ganu sense? Yeah, you know, is that even, what you're saying? If he was here next to me, you couldn't tell us apart. So, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> yes, that that's, that's when I'll do in the cage with, uh, with Kamuela and we'll actually not only break it down, but we'll break it down visually as well. Shout out to the Jawaiian. I would love to eventually have him as well too. If he makes his own bets and stuff too, I'd love to chop it up. I don't even him. think he knows what fighting is. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Cause yeah. I did cast a bet on him last time when he fought uh, Maquan Americani as an underdog, which was absolutely crazy that uh, the line was as wide as it was. But again, shout out to Kirk. And uh, I would love to thank him in person if he ever wants to do this show. But uh, Santino, honestly, Appreciate you taking out the time. I know we're running a lot later than I expected this to go, uh, but you know, damn that Arizona time zone difference. Damn uh, the beer that you're drinking, all that stuff. You guys can blame me, but honestly, I, I'm sure that you enjoyed the show. Oh, look at that. He finished the entire beer the entire time here. Perfect. I love it. Uh, <laughs> time the, for the, a refill. Exactly. The viewers appreciate it. I appreciate it myself as well. I'm very much looking forward to talking to you once again. But before that, we do have to bring your boy, Brandon, on uh, and uh, chop it up with him as well. I love talking to him as well. So uh, you guys have a great thing going on on your channel. 
continued success on the channel. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm always here for you, Santino. So I really appreciate, appreciate you. It. Thank you so much as man. well. No worries. All right. On behalf of myself and Santino, we appreciate the 200 live viewers that tune in for the show and obviously and the thousands of others that are coming on too. as well as stuck with us the whole time. there as well. There we go. <laughs> a champ right there. Uh, I would love to hear his thoughts on Francis and Gondosiri gone as well, but we'll save that for another time. Uh, yeah. Uh, good luck on your bets tomorrow. I will be back for the fight day live chat, 12 p.m. Eastern, noon Eastern tomorrow. I won't be watching the fights live because tomorrow... Sarah Kaufman is fighting up here in Canada. So I'm going to be going up to a local regional show up here uh, instead of watching the, the UFC fights this weekend. So um, good luck on your bets. And I will see you guys for the Fight Day live chat noon Eastern tomorrow. Santino, once again, thank you. Good luck on your bets. Peace out.